listening to the podcast by CISD SOAS, the Center of International Studies and Diplomacy. So, good evening, everyone. Um, thank you for coming. We really appreciate you coming out here on a Friday evening, especially given that the, uh, there are many events at SOAS happening. So, you've decided to come to this one. So, it is a very much interesting and much anticipated conversation, discussion, hopefully, we'll talk about this evening. The topic is obviously. Uh, humanitarian diplomacy and the role of NGOs. Um, I should introduce myself. My name is Omar Salha, so I'm a PhD in a Hood Scholar here at SOAS. I'm also a senior teaching fellow at the Center for International Studies and Diplomacy. Um, and I'm very much privileged and uh, honored to be flagged by two representatives from uh, IHH, the Humanitarian Relief Foundation, based in Turkey. And uh, today we have both of them experts in their own field who will be joining us. Uh, to shed their, their light, um, you know, their, their experience um, and their expertise in the field of humanitarian diplomacy. Um, I also would like to give my thanks to the Center for International Studies and Diplomacy and also Turkan Foundation, uh, who have both jointly hosted this event. And I'd like to just give a few uh, minutes to and the, the director for Turkan Foundation is um, Hakan Janus. Thank you. Uh, thank you all for coming tonight. Uh, this is our uh, first event we're doing at SOAS, so your uh, attendance appreciated. Uh, we have taken the opportunity to bring these two distinguished gentlemen to your presence today. Uh, they're both uh, very active in the concept of international humanitarian diplomacy and um, members of IHH, they are very active in, especially in the Middle East. Uh, Mr. Hussein Orich is a member of committee actually doing the peace process between the Philippine government and the War of Freedom Fighters. And uh, Mr. Ibrahim, who will experience their, uh, share their experiences with you today, having very active, especially in you know, Syrian conflicts and in various other places, uh, that they'll be open to your questions and uh, share their experiences with you. And I'm grateful to both of them and grateful to Omar Salha for sharing this platform with us and to the Institute. So, uh, welcome. And I hope uh, today we'll learn a lot of uh, things together and uh, share the experience of this uh, guest. Appreciate it. Thank you very much, Akhan. So, without further ado, let us go straight into the topic. Before, what we'll do is for tonight, the structure of the event, so it's just after, just before rather, quarter past six. What we'll do is we'll have Isa Shahid, my wife, uh, speak first. So I'll mention, uh, give you a quick short bio about uh, Izet. And also after that, I will introduce you to St. Orange and then we'll take it from there with the Q&A session. So hopefully they'll be speaking for 15 to 20 minutes each, and then that's, we'll have an open discussion for the various of you to join in. So allow me to um, read, read off uh, Izzat Shaheed's short bio for you all. Um, born in 1970 in the city of Sivas in Turkey, Izzat Shaheen has completed his primary school education in the same city. He then completed his secondary school education in Istanbul at the Kuchuk Choi uh, Imam Hatip School in Istanbul. At the completion of his studies in Turkey, Izzet Shaheen went on to higher education and study at the University of Medina al Munawwara in Saudi Arabia. He has successfully graduated in 1997 before moving on to complete a further higher education and to enhance his English language skills in Johannesburg, South Africa. So Sivas, Istanbul, Medina and South Africa. Um, continue. <laughs> yes, to be continued, <laughs> precisely. So Isat Shahid then became the director for the Turkish Cultural Center in Montreal, Canada for five years. Upon his return to Turkey, Mr. Shahid has worked two years as a director for the Turkish Social and Educational Foundation in Istanbul. At present, uh, Isat Shahid, uh, since the year 2007, 
He has been actively working for the IHH Humanitarian Relief Foundation. Mr. Shaheen's career at IHH commenced when he became the coordinator of Europe and the Americas. In 2010, he became a member and subsequently the coordinator of IHH's board in charge of international <coughs> relations and humanitarian diplomacy. Uh, at one point, he became the representative of IHH in Jerusalem for a period of five months. And over the years, Mr. Shaheen has engaged in many activities and roles which has contributed to IHH's main cause. And the results of, this, of his endeavors range from freeing hundreds of hostages uh, and prisoners in Syria to the commencement and putting in effect humanitarian projects in as many as 30 countries. And Mr. Shaheen, to add to all of that extensive and pretty imp impressive uh, CV, uh, he also speaks fluent Turkish, English, French and Arabic, uh, putting him in a precious position whereby he has one-to-one -one communications with many vulnerable people around the globe. So um, over to Isad Shaheen, you'll be talking for 50 to 20 minutes about the role, the, 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 um, the role of IHH and also the strategic work in terms of humanitarian diplomacy. So please, a warm welcome to Isad Shaheen. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, good evening and assalamu alaikum. Uh, thank you for inviting us and uh, for this opportunity. Uh, actually, what I'm, what are, what are going to listen today is uh, this evening is uh, not theory, but the uh, experience of uh, us in the field, uh, in addition to humanitarian uh, relief, human rights, and uh, what we are going to discuss tonight is uh, humanitarian diplomacy. It is something new in our uh, countries, uh, having a role as NGO uh, on humanitarian diplomacy. But it is a uh, good experience and uh, very uh, good success stories uh, you will hear tonight. Yeah, but before that, I would like to yeah, mention about this organization, IHH Humanitarian Foundation. Uh, if you go back, IHH actually, when you see I in the beginning, you directly imagine it is international humanitarian something, but in fact, it is uh, Arabic words what we use in Turkish. Uh, I, insan, age, hukuk, and the other ages, hurriyat. Hukuk and insan hurriyat in Arabic. Uh, uh, humanitarian, uh, human rights and the freedoms. And the second part is uh, humanitarian relief. <coughs> we have, uh, actually, it is the first uh, international uh, relief organization, or the humanitarian relief organization of Turkey. Uh, established uh, in 1992 during the Bosnian War, we received the Bosnian refugees in Turkey and uh, had uh, victims of the war in Bosnia at that time. And since then, now it is uh, actively working in 140 countries and territories around the world. And uh, uh, it is one of the, uh, how do you say, uh, the main actors in Turkey and uh, in the region. So we have such a principles, uh, we can easily describe ourselves or define ourselves through these uh, principles. First is uh, sincerity. When we go somewhere, uh, we go just for the humanitarian purposes, not for other reasons, or just on behalf of our uh, private donors, but not on behalf of uh, governments or the other uh, authorities. <coughs> and uh, when we do something, uh, we do for the sake of creator. And uh, when we reach them, we do not look from up. 
you just say it is your right to fund us to uh, help you and uh, actually uh, in Islamic understanding uh, you cannot obey God, you cannot worship God without serving creations. Uh, so this is uh, actually the understanding behind the sincerity. The humanity without differentiating uh, the ethnicities or uh, religions or the sects, uh, serving all like some, like the Mevlana Celeretinurum says, covering all without differentiating. Independence is one of the main uh, principles that we try uh, to practice. Independent, independent from uh, political parties, independent from governments, independent from uh, intelligence or armies or the lobbies, etc. It is very difficult to be independent, especially today, especially for the NGOs working mainly in conflict regions. But IHH is uh, taking its decisions in our headquarters regardless of looking who is going to say and what. Uh, it is actually the main power of IAG. Transparency is uh, the protector of this organization from A to Z, from receiving the funds and the delivering and implementing in the field. Uh, everything is clear in front of uh, the uh, governments, in front of uh, donors and in front of uh, public. Uh, of course, we are accountable in front of God, in front of uh, receivers or people who are in need, and also our donors. We do respect the differences, cultures, religions, and uh, we do not actually uh, care about the differences of the uh, people. Uh, when we go there, we do not actually oppress them to change their uh, habits or cultures. Uh, justice. Uh, briefly, not serving in uh, uh, Mogadishu, but going beyond. Uh, it is easy to go to Mogadishu and uh, serve in uh, camps, but the people behind uh, need more. But if they cannot come to you, we have to go and reach them. And the timing is important, not receiving phones, keeping in our accounts, and uh, li leaving uh, people or letting people die lack of uh, aid uh, while the funds in our uh, accounts means just as 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 uh, quick as possible to reach the needy people okay uh, we are cooperating like this as you see this is also Mevlevi's uh, you know the Mevlevi dance Sema turning around uh, if you look right hand is up and the left is down means taking from God and the giving to earth, to creations. Uh, it is the nature of the humanitarian organization, actually, taking from uh, rich and the giving to uh, poor or needy. Uh, the cooperation uh, from high level as an ecosystem member and the umbrella organizations around the world, and from right side, the donors, and from left side is the beneficiaries, uh, Hundreds of organizations we are cooperating with, instead of opening branches around the world, we are cooperating with the local capacities to help their capacity as well. Volunteerism is uh, very important for us. Uh, maybe staff member uh, around 500, uh, but uh, uh, tens of thousands, approximately 60,000 
uh, volunteers, registered volunteers we have, but donors uh, more than one million. Uh, it is when we talk about the independence, we are not uh, taking funds from governments based on the private donations to remain independent and uh, uh, to be active. Raising consciousness is awareness, one of our uh, methods that we do. While we work mainly in uh, war and conflict regions, since Bosnia up to now, unfortunately, we couldn't uh, focus on developments a lot because of the conflicts in the region, from Bosnia to Afghanistan and Iraq and Palestine and the others and others, still the conflicts remain and uh, uh, worse than maybe uh, the time of the Bosnian war. Natural disaster areas and uh, uh, underprivileged uh, regions. Okay, what we do? Uh, humanitarian relief, advocacy, and humanitarian diplomacy. Maybe it is the first organization you hear covering those three areas. You may uh, heard many organizations focused on the humanitarian relief or human rights or humanitarian diplomacy like uh, Humanitarian Diploma Diplomacy Center in Geneva, but uh, as uh, one organization conveys all these areas, IHH is the unit, I can say, in East and West. Uh, for the humanitarian relief, uh, it is not our topic today, but uh, working, as I said, in 140 countries, uh, from orphans and opening uh, water wells and uh, food, the health the, uh, and the cultural and education and all the humanitarian aids that you know we are actually doing. For the advocacy it is important. Human rights actually one of the uh, main uh, goals of uh, INHAHA or IHH uh, and the humanitarian uh, diplomacy that we are going to talk today. Uh, Actually, this uh, definition uh, uh, from our activities, uh, it is not the uh, maybe uh, you will study more and you will focus on humanitarian diplomacy more and the theory will be written by yourselves, but uh, as a, uh, actors in the field, we define like this, dealing with the uh, conflicting parties to protect lives, dignity, rights, human rights, and freedoms, and to have access to humanitarian aids. Yes, these are the goals, what we do under humanitarian diplomacy. Okay, uh, there is actually no safety and security, no protection for humanity today, especially in our region, in Middle East. Wars and the conflicts because of uh, political and the economic reasons, uh, religious, uh, sectarian, ethnic, and ideological reasons. Oppressions and tortures, unfortunately, almost all the countries. And the global crisis and uh, terror or war on terror and its uh, uh, impacts on the civilians, especially in Afghanistan, Pakistan, Yemen, and other countries. And Islamophobia, one of the uh, new uh, crises that we are facing in uh, Europe and uh, North America mainly. And this picture and the word in Turkish saying uh, children of war. It is a 
documentary prepared by IHH. Okay, now if you look uh, today and uh, uh, last maybe one century, you can find mainly the people in Middle East. Uh, the innocent people are being killed, as you see the pictures from Azerbaijan, Iraq, Palestine, and uh, Syria. Myanmar, Central Africa today, and Egypt, and Bosnia. Uh, or uh, the innocent people are being injured in the same places. <coughs> or detained and tortured. The very famous uh, photos you uh, even remember from media. And uh, or uh, expelled from their homes or forced to leave their countries. Okay, now the question, who is responsible <coughs> to protect human rights and liberties? The first, maybe we remember, international organizations like United Nations, European Union, Islamic Islamic Organization of Islamic Cooperation. Organization of Islamic Cooperation. Yeah, Organization of Islamic Cooperation. And uh, well, they need to change the name. Arab, yeah, because they changed the name. <laughs> From conference to uh, cooperation, yes. Arab Union or the African Union and others. If you see, they are the most uh, responsible. But when you see uh, first the United Nations and especially the Security Council, even if they declare the war, they declare to protect people, the main aim to protect people. It is their responsibility in the highest level. But because of the several reasons I mentioned here, three, uh, they do not their business. Uh, dependent on the policies of the key countries, especially the rich countries or the powerful countries, uh, instead of uh, ruling independently and uh, with the justice, they mainly practice the policies of some countries. And the system, there is a system problem, the veto problem. The president of Turkey uh, usually say one is bigger than uh, uh, The word is bigger than one. Means if like, but what? At the same time, because if one of the countries, the five countries who has the veto right in the Security Council, if they veto anything, you cannot uh, have uh, any re result. So uh, one day I was asked by the uh, Russian diplomat, he said, uh, what is your business with the diplomacy? It is our business, the classical diplomacy. I said, because of you. You do not do your business. You bring something to Security Council, uh, other countries refuse, and the others feeling something and you refuse. Because of you, or because of the meeting of 20 minutes in Security Council, we lost maybe 400,000 people in Syria. So, uh, it doesn't bring actually the solution. But about Gerdiash, uh, actually about the law, there is no charge for the wrong resolutions coming from Security Council and uh, not easy to practice the uh, resolutions that they have, especially in Palestinian 
uh, Israel-Palestinian conflict. Okay, the second who we expect to protect people, the governments, unfortunately, they are also not doing their business, their duties. Uh, they are part of the conflict, but not part of the solutions. And the lack of uh, dealings of non-governmental bodies. They say we can deal only with uh, governments. But there are some countries, we are not talking about governments. After earthquake in Haiti, there was no government. And now in Iraq and Syria, which government are we talking, for example? Four governments in both countries physically ruling now. And if we do not recognize one of the actors to deal and to uh, reduce the violence, we cannot bring actually any result. So, uh, also conflicting interests. Like the 
all the things, the, everything is clear, and the, you can act according to the rules or laws, international or national laws, it is totally new, and maybe uh, it will be prepared more in the uh, near future. There is a high risk to do, to work in that area, because you have to cross the conflict borders, and you have to meet the very risky people. And uh, in our experiences, especially in Syria, was very sensitive. I'm going to mention the pictures later. There is a competition between actors, the classical diplomacy and the humanitarian diplomacy. And uh, they are not quite happy with us. Because they don't have access sometimes to reach uh, people, the correct people, and uh, mediate or negotiate. Uh, imagine from the beginning of the conflict, Turkey cut all its relations with uh, Syria. Although we have almost 900 kilometers border, and we have very we have a lot of uh, connections or a lot of relations with uh, that government or that country, and after the cut, it was our actually role and uh, duty to go and reach even the Assad's regime and uh, free people and the protect people. And uh, maybe one of the most important challenges is uh, uh, damage reputation. If you deal with the people from Al-Qaeda to free hostages, they will easily label you or uh, label you with Al-Qaeda. And if you go and meet people in Iran or in uh, Assad's regime or the others and others, they will say IHH is uh, cooperating with Iran or with Syrian regime. Or the, up to now, we couldn't uh, actually have any access to ISIS. And fortunately, nobody is claiming that we have, we have relations with ISIS. But to the other groups, to free people or the hostages from their hands, you cannot do without uh, meeting them and uh, discussing them or negotiating them. Yeah, consequences of failure. If you fail, maybe the parties will accuse you that because of your uh, uh, bad operation, you uh, lost life. It is very sensitive also. Lack of skilled persons and the lack of financial resources other uh, challenges. What we do, mediation for peace, as in those mentioned countries, uh, the Syrian conflict, not like the uh, states or the governments. We met all sides, all parties of the conflict, with the Syrian regime, opposition groups, Iran, and even we prepared ourselves to meet with the Russia as well to, uh, uh, to end the violence and to protect more people in Syria, but we failed because uh, more than 20 countries uh, involved and it became more than uh, regional and international conflict. And uh, even the Egypt, we reached a very good level after the uh, army corps in Egypt, uh, but there were some hands behind the parties preventing us of reaching the result of uh, uh, negotiations or the peace. Monitoring peace process, you will uh, listen to, as a case study from Brother Hussein uh, soon. And encouragement for peace as uh, the good example for IHH, since the beginning of the conflict, we are doing our best uh, 
to uh, actually end the conflict between uh, uh, Kurdish and the Turkish sides in Turkey, especially recently it became very big uh, violence and a very big problem again in Turkey, we hope our efforts will bring uh, results soon and we will uh, return to peace uh, process once again. Uh, preventing de uh, deportations to risky countries and we established a special organization for that, uh, International Refugee Rights Association, and especially after Turkey received millions of refugees, this organization doing a very good job. Uh, searching uh, disappeared people in the conflict and the natural disaster areas, and the evocation from conflict regions. Uh, recently, uh, you see this past. Actually, it is the project of uh, less than one month. We uh, exchanged the, uh, the fighter, the uh, injured uh, people uh, in Syria. 464 people in Syria in one day with the cooperation of uh, United Nations, OCHA, uh, ICRC, Turkish and the Lebanese government. And also in other conflict regions, we evacuated uh, people uh, to their countries. And the access to sieged areas, dealing with the authorities to have access to sieged areas, as we do actually in Gaza, Myanmar, Syria, and other countries. And uh, releasing all prisoners, one of the main uh, activities of IHH under humanitarian diplomacy, uh, you will see the numbers now. Uh, and also the hostages uh, kidnapped by uh, extremist groups or uh, armed groups. And these are the uh, figures that we create uh, in Syria, Iran, Turkey, uh, I mean uh, Iranian, Turkish, German, uh, Afghan, Kuwaiti, Czech Republic, and, and the Swedish, and the Polish recently. Uh, these are the numbers maybe in last uh, uh, three, four years, and uh, we are still uh, continuing. Uh, it is very uh, emotional, actually. Uh, those uh, two journalists from Turkey, uh, they were the first we uh, received them uh, in Damascus after the conflict, two years after the conflict. Two journalists, they went to Syria to uh, to prepare a documentary on uh, the children of war, the Syrian children. And they were kidnapped, I say kidnapped or detained or kidnapped. Syrian regime uh, kidnapped them or detained them. And they spent uh, two months. And we had, uh, as Turkish government and the nation, we didn't have any information about their lives, nor any proof of life. But in the end, our efforts brought the uh, result and we reached them. And today and tonight I am very honorable uh, to have one of those two among you, Brother Hamid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, as a victim of uh, uh, this uh, uh, Problem. I hope you will study here and uh, help us in future to create more people. And these are the Syrian uh, families, Syrian uh, prisoners, the war prisoners. And by the way, 
uh, we lost maybe accurate numbers in Syrian prisoners, especially the prisoners of uh, intelligence services in Syria, maybe uh, the, the number that we lost uh, under bombs. And the women uh, prisoners, and the, these are the Turkish ones. And uh, she's a Turkish uh, uh, woman, uh, got married to the Syrian uh, person, Syrian man, and they were uh, detained, and they, she told the stories of the uh, pri uh, prisoners. Just a small example. And the, the question, how many people can you put in four or five meters square? What do you imagine? You say one, two, three. They put 22 women in five meters square, and they do not allow them even to sit. They couldn't even sit. Uh, very difficult. And the one from Libya, the Turkish citizen from Libya, and those are the Iranian uh, hostages uh, first. We reached them in Duma, Syria. And uh, she is from regime side, a soldier from uh, regime. Uh, we fled also from opposition side. And uh, Czech Republican uh, girls were kidnapped by uh, Al-Qaeda in uh, Pakistan and they fled after two years and two months. And uh, recently, a Swedish uh, boy from Syria and when uh, he met uh, his mother and the sister. And uh, in uh, citizens from those countries uh, continue to uh, be in different uh, countries. And thank you very much. Thank you very much, Zez, for, for that presentation and uh, for, um, I mean, a very, very interesting outlook into what humanitarian diplomacy is, your efforts in, in this field, and you know, ending on the note that how many hostages that you've freed is, is quite um, a humbling uh, you know, piece, of, piece of work that you're doing and the organization is doing. So we thank you very much for your, for your time with us and obviously giving us an insight into, into the work that you do. And given the fact that this, this, this week is also, yesterday we had the London Syria Donor Conference, of course, so it's, it's a timely that we, we hold this event. And we only see that many nations across the globe have come together to actually uh, put together um, a substantial amount of money, which we hope will actually get to the most needy in those areas, uh, because we've seen the UN has, has, uh, has somewhat faced some many, many challenges, which you have actually picked up, you can say, the, the gaps, if you will. Um, over to our uh, next speaker, and um, you will have to bear with me as I will put up the, the bio. Um, so, Hussein Oruç, uh, born in Malatya, um, in Turkey in 1969, Hussein Oruç completed his university education in Boazici Universities, Bosphorus University, by achieving a diploma in tourism management and public management in 91 and 96, respectively. So obviously, we see a geographical shift across the globe, and we see a more disciplined shift <coughs> from tourism management to IHA. Um, this is the world of uh, the third sector, trust me. Um, upon the completion of his education, Hussein already stayed in the tourism sector when he started his career, 
as a tour operator and subsequently hotel manager. Uh, he is amongst the founders of the Foundation for Human Rights and Freedoms and Humanitarian Relief, um, IHH, a Turkish obviously NGO. Mr. Orush has had many key management roles in numerous IHH international projects, ranging from the Banda Ajit tsunami relief effort in 2004 uh, and the Pakistan earthquake relief effort in 2005 uh, to the Haiti earthquake relief effort. Uh, the Pakistan uh, flood relief effort also, as well as the Freedom Facility in Gaza, all in 2010. He also had similar, a similar role in other IHH uh, international projects, including the Kobani project in 126 countries uh, across five continents, and a cataract project in which over 70,000 cataract surgeries were carried out in the space of four years between 2007 and 2011. Uh, across many African countries. Mr. Orish has membership and roles in many entities and institutions. He is a founding trustee of the Humanitarian Forum uh, here in London. He also is amongst the members of the Union of NGOs of the Islamic World. Uh, he has led the preparation committee of Code of Conduct for Islamic NGOs for the OIC. On behalf of the IHH, uh, Mr. Orish became the delegate for UN and OIC. He also is a member of the third party monitoring team uh, TPMT for peace process in the Philippines, which we'll hear about today from Mr. Orich. And currently, Hussein Orich is married, father of three, deputy president of the Board of Trustees and leading humanitarian diplomacy projects initiated by IHH. Ladies and gentlemen, please warm welcome to Mr. Hussein Orich. Uh, thank you very much. Good evening. Assalamu alaikum. Uh, actually, there is a many things to talk about the pictures, whatever is that said. All of them takes the house. Last 25 years, we are on the field, from one side to other side. And it is the most uh, delicious gift of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for us to have the peoples. The main aim, to have the peoples, reach the peoples, touch them, and to make them happy. There's a many ways. Relief is one way, advocacy is another way. And the diplomacy, very recently, we are using it. And believe me, it is the most delicious one. It is the most delicious things when you free someone, when you saw their sights in their eyes, when you saw that sight in their families. It's a really very important, and all of them is the very issue. And what IHHs believe, all of them need to be under the one umbrella to reach the target in a very short time and to top the, uh, these agendas. Maybe many things we can talk about the IHH, but we want to take one simple case and I want to give them more time for the ISAB to make a base for the humanitarian <coughs> diplomacy. One of the very good sample is the Philippine case. The Philippine case is the longest war, civil war, we can say, or the war in the world more than 140 years. 440 years it is going up. It started with the Magellan, 1521. Still it is going up. When we came the last 40 years, it's a very big conflict. It is little away from all of us, even away from the Middle East. All we have been focused on what's happening on the Middle East. We are talking about the Palestine too much. We are talking about the Syria today, the Iraq, but there is another tragedy in Far East. It's the Moro, Bank Samoro. 
in last 40 years. The official numbers say 150,000 people have been killed. Unofficially, the people say more than 300,000 people have been killed. The number of the Muslims, the population is almost 5 million in the region. More than 2 million people, Muslims, became refugee on the ground. Almost half of the nations left their homes. And it is one of the uh, biggest strategy I, uh, tragedy I have seen on the ground. Very recently I learned, many times we watch with the American films, uh, how you, they are killing the people, they are taking the money. The same thing happens in Bank Samoro. What, how they have collected the money, when they kill a Muslims on the ground, they cut the hairs, or if the women they have cut the breast, bring the, their peoples and take the money. That much big tragedies they have seen. At the end, they came to one level. Peace is the only solution. The only targets you can fulfill, sit on the table to talk the realities and to reach the solution. Uh, hopefully, the Philippine governments, after the, that much big disaster, and Muslims in the southern part of the Philippines, in Bangsamoro, they have accepted to sit on the table to talk about their problems and the soul on the table. They have tried it many times, uh, and especially Bangsamoro uh, Islamic Liberation Front is very open for this one. They are very powerful. They have a very big army, more than 50,000 people they have. They have a very heavy uh, guns. And for the Philippines government, it is really very difficult when they start the war and they have faced many difficulties, not only from one side. When we have visited the field, in every war, everybody is affected. Only if you are a, a country very distant the problem, like the Russians and Americans, they are not affecting from the war in the Syria. Just they are coming, only the soldiers are affecting, but not the civilians. But in Philippines, many families, Philippine families also affect from this war. Uh, the table have been uh, on the field, and what Moral Islamic Liberation Front said, up to now, we have sit on the table many times, but the, at the end, you didn't fulfill whatever you said on the table. We couldn't see whatever you promised on the field. Therefore, we want to make one committee. They will monitor and evaluate whatever we have discussed and agreed and signed. They will follow and they will see and they will judge us. And it is the unique sample, one government accepting one outsiders and say that, okay, we accept five members in this committee. They will come, they will search, they will monitor, they will evaluate, and they will be free access for all actors on the field. You can meet with the president, you can ask the president, you can ask the chief of staff of the both sides and you can meet with the ministers they are the secretaries and you can meet all the peoples and ordinary peoples
you have uh, access for everybody. And it is the unity, as I say. Uh, they make uh, five members. Five members, two is the international, <coughs> one is independent, have been decided by the both parties. He is the not close, uh, not away from you, one Scottish diplomat, ex diplomat. He was representing EU in the Philippines for the long years, and he have a very good relation with the Muslims and the Philippine governments. Both have accepted uh, him as a chairman of the third party monitoring team. It's a third party monitoring team because there is a, another monitoring team just following the ceasefire between the uh, both sides, international monitoring team. Therefore, we have called it third party monitoring team two international, one is the IHH from the Turkey, the another one is the Asia Foundation, it's an American organization, they are working in the many Asian countries, they are very active, they are very close to Americans and they are uh, making many advocacy and the humanitarian uh, relief projects on the ground. And the country representative of the Asia Foundation, another member on the committee, and two, one is from the MILF side, more Islamic liberation side, the another from the government. We have a five members. Regularly, in every two months, we are traveling to Philippines. We are sitting with these actors and we are monitoring and evaluating what are they doing? What is the positions of the peace? And sometimes you are facing the problems and what we learned, especially for these cases, the war is very easy, very easy. Even in this hall, the makeup fights, it is very easy. If you say something different for someone, you can make a fight between the peoples. But the peace is very difficult and takes time. You need to pay long patience and to give more time for the peace. Now the Philippines is trying this way. And now they have accepted outsiders to facilitate and to <coughs> help them to reach the peace. Uh, there is uh, some difficulties. All the times they are facing these difficulties. There is uh, some stack on the process now. But I pray it will be handled and it will be solved. It is important, not only for the Philippines, not only the minority on the southern part of the Philippines, <coughs> but also it is a very, very important other conflicts on the regions. Like in the recently, we are talking about uh, Myanmar. There is uh, some uh, parts of the Myanmar is called Rohingya. And the Muslims on Rohingya also facing the same difficulties. The source is the same. The problem, the characteristics of the problem is the same. The another one is the southern Thailand. It's called the Patani also same nature. The another one is the Kashmir. It's a problem between Pakistan and India. All of them have the same nature and the Philippines have stepped forward and openly saying that, okay, we are two nations. I'm accepting your identity, but we need to live together. Living together is not a way. And the more Islamic Liberation Front, last 40 years, they are fighting for the independency and now they are stepping back and they are saying that, okay, we can live together, but in a meaningful autonomy. Uh, if we can succeed, the peace on the Bank Samoro, 
on southern part of the Philippines, probably we can make the same things in other regions. Therefore, it is really very, very important to reach the peace in the Philippines. And the first time from the Islamic world, one NGO took that kind of important role in the peace. And we are very new, but we have a very, very important history on that. 25 years of the history of IHH is maybe at the drop in the humanitarian or charity works. Unfortunately, IHH is 25 years old, and the first international NGO of Turkey, when we came to Turkey, you can see many things many foundations, the old foundation, the age is the thousands, but after the Republic time, the first international NGO is the IHH and only 25 years old, took this role on the regions for the peace. And we hope to take this role in other places also. Uh, we can say many more things. When I'm talking about tomorrow, it takes long, but I want to give more time for the discussion, not only related with this, uh, maybe other topics, especially now the Syria is in a very critical position. Just new pictures came. More than 70,000 people, now they are on the Turkish border and they are facing difficulties. There is nothing, there is no shelter. All teams are on the ground. They are making the tents villages for them and we like to show in a day how much big tent village can be established and hopefully we will cover many of them in a show. Uh, in different things, uh, you can ask questions. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Hussein. And uh, on that last note, actually, you may have heard the Turkish Prime Minister yesterday, he announced that there were 70,000 um, uh, refugees actually on the border. And uh, I was saying just before we started, showing me some pictures of, of the, the work IHH are doing, um, uh, which is uh, phenomenal in terms of setting up tents and, and uh, trying to get a very quick response um, into trying to hosting the, the refugees when they cross the border. But it gives you an idea that, I mean, especially with the case study in the Philippines, um, the, the work is not only focused in the Middle East, but also beyond that. And also the idea of humanitarian efforts and humanitarian diplomacy knows no uh, sect or religion or political um, uh, affiliation whatsoever. It is the value of the human life, which is ultimately the work which uh, this organization is focused on. Um, we have half an hour. Um, I'd like to take questions from, from the audience. And I'd like to have, uh, we'll take three questions and then we'll give the chance for the speakers to come back. Um, if you have a question aimed at anyone in particular, please um, um, say who. And if you could just give a brief, um, just state your name and which organization or university you are from. So the floor is open for any questions, not comments, please. <laughs> please. Um, you're talking about Philippines. It sounds in a lot of ways very similar to what's going on in Kurds and Turks. Uh, what is your involvement? I suppose you also like touched on that. Because that's got to be a very dicey situation where you've got the country, I mean, literally at war with each other. You've got the Kurds on the one side in four countries, 
um, trying to establish their own state. And in the east of Turkey, this major war that seemed to be petering out suddenly just blown up again. What are you actually involved in with that? Are you involved at all with it or not? Mm-hmm. We'll, take we'll, take one, yeah, so we'll take that question. Okay. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Um, can we go back to the slide of the innocent being killed and what the slide of Myanmar? Because I'm from Myanmar. Ah. <laughs> uh, from Myanmar? Yeah, I'm from Myanmar. Okay, Myanmar. Myanmar. And you are involved with, in, with the Kurds <coughs> and. Yes. This is what you mean? Both yeah, yeah. inside so, Syria or? Is that the photo from Myanmar? Because like, I've never ever seen this kind of photo in our country. And how, like, I'm, I, I accept that we have human rights violations in our country. But like, throughout my life, I've never ever heard of like, being massive killing of the people like that. So I'm just wondering. Like, okay. We can have the third, third question before um, we move on, Sarah. Uh, my, my question is like... No, no, I, we got the question. Just the, the third question. Or do you have another question? Uh, another question, okay. yes. Another question is, um, so sometimes like the humanitarian as you present can also create the kind of different, the opposite feeling between the country, um, I mean like between the two groups if they are biased. So like how can you avoid this kind of like creating tensions between two communities when you are giving aid to us. Okay, thanks. So we'll take one more question. Yes, please. Yes, actually, maybe it's the continuation of the question that was raised before. But what's the take of the Turkish government on, I know that you said you were independent, but what's the take of the Turkish government on your work with conflict resolution and the Kurds? Okay, so we have two questions on the Turkish Kurdish issue. I guess we can both both take those into one question, and then we have one question on the humanitarian NGOs. Whether they actually, as well in your efforts, you are trying to, you know, reduce tension. You may actually, in that process, increase tension as well. So which one? You okay, take? I just I like to start. Uh, increasing tension. Yes, Turkish. I'm from. I'm Richard, and I'm at SOAS, studying law. One of the subjects is Islamic law. Okay. Thank you very much. Nice. Uh, what I learned in my field works, all the cases are have their own specific qualifications, and all cases their case and different. The moral is different. The Kurd is different. Of course, there is some similarities. When, especially when you look from the distance, you can see many similarities. But when you came to a case, there was a many differences. The Kurdish uh, issue is very sensitive for Turkey, not only related with Turkey. As you say, there is uh, many Kurds living in other countries, Iran, Iraq, uh, Syria, and Turkey. What is the point of the agency? We are not part of the government. Openly, as an IHH, we are saying that you cannot differentiate, differentiate the peoples because of their ethnics. You cannot limit the right of the peoples. And very simple, if the God have given the rights to peoples to identify themselves, how a government can limit it? Openly, 
because of the wrong policies, the, uh, this problem became like this. But it doesn't mean you will remain like this. Uh, the current government making many improvements on that. Maybe it is not 100%, but at least we can say 80%, 70% improvements have been happened. On the beginning of the conflict, all we was requesting accept the identity. It was happened in Turkey. Identity is very important. Yes, I'm a Kurd. I'm a Turk or I'm a Turkmen or whatever. I am this. I'm from this family. How can you label someone from the another one? And the Turkish government accepted that one. It was very, very important breaking point for us. And even for uh, our peoples, the Turks, and I'm saying uh, the Turks are the minority in IHH. We have uh, many nations, the many Kurds are living, uh, working with us. Uh, and somehow, I think more than the Turks. Uh, but what Ihaha is saying, there is no borders, there is no nations. We believe in the humanity, and we believe there is no any differences between the peoples. And you cannot give the priority for the peoples because of the ethics. Okay, this is the uh, main principles, but how Ihaha is making the, uh, this problem and taking that one? Uh, we have the branches in all over the Turkey, and we are importing this understanding for all of our staff on the ground, and they are representing this ideology. There is no difference as the peoples. All the rights are depends on all everybody equally. We are accepting the right of the peoples, and very very important things we have raised last five years. If you want the peace, not only one actors you will take and sit with them and solve these problems. You need to understand the position of the people and request of the people, not request of the one organization. Just listen, everybody like the Philippines have done, not only more Islamic liberation, the Philippines is talking with the all actors, all the representative of the all groups on the ground. But if you sit only with one organization, it is not solution. Also, every or not, organizations are, not only government, organizations are under the influence of someone else. And we saw that one in the Kurdish case too much. Uh, now the Turkey is talking about to take the representative not only from one side, they will take the representative from all the actors, from the peoples. I believe after the, this conflict have been completed and finished, uh, it is the right policy. If they can do it, we can reach the peace on the Kurdish. And it is really, really very important for improvement of the Kurdish and the Turkish on the regions. And uh, we don't believe that it will be dividing the countries. Now the peoples are, all the nations are talking about integrations. And even when you talk to Kurdish peoples, they are not looking to any opportunity to divide the Turkey, Syria, and Iraq, and then make an independent Kurdish state. It is not the, uh, good for the Kurds, it's not good for the Kurds and the Turks and all other nations. Uh, 
openly we are organizing what IHAHA is doing. We are organizing the meetings and we are inviting the many actors from the different countries. The recently uh, we have made it in Diyarbakir. It is this epicenter of the problem and many international came and talked about the other problems and we have make a one recommendation, list of the recommendations. Uh, hopefully the government now raising the same things. They say that, okay, we will follow that one. But sometimes there is a problems between the government and the NGOs. Uh, most of the time they are thinking, this is their opinions. They are not talking about the IHH recommendations, but it is not important. The important thing is these recommendations is on the table now, and the peoples are uh, much more aware about the solution of the peoples. But we are facing very, very critical days. Thank you. Uh, for the picture from uh, Myanmar, uh, my premier, uh, actually there are several regions in the world no access, in fact, to find the facts, what's going on there. <coughs> receiving pictures from Myanmar, from Rohingya area, or receiving pictures from Uyghur, Eastern Turkestan, in China, or receiving uh, facts or pictures and videos from similar areas, something impossible. Uh, this is why we, uh, we couldn't take uh, the pro we couldn't uh, record the problems and uh, uh, introduce you or to show you here. And uh, this is one of the pictures that when I entered the, in internet, uh, the conflict in Myanmar or the Rohingya in Myanmar, it showed one of the pictures. But I will. Uh, after this uh, reminder, I will uh, double check, and if it is not uh, belong to those uh, that area, I will uh, correct it. Uh, for the, uh, the end, uh, creating problems because of the uh, the uh, role of the NGOs in the field, uh, actually, if the NGOs practice the principles that I mentioned earlier, I think you cannot create a problem. I will give the example in Syria. Uh, what we did. We have the access to uh, deliver the humanitarian aid to uh, opposition areas. But at the same time, we sat with the Syrian regime and offered them to deliver the humanitarian aid to the areas where they control. And it is same in all the conflict regions and the disaster regions. And you do not take one party and ignore the other. You do the same for whoever. Uh, face the problem or uh, need to order. Uh, yes, that's true. IHH is delivering humanitarian aid from one, one side and exploring the reasons, reasons behind. And according to the representative of NATO in one of the conferences in Geneva, he said that the needy people in the world, 80 plus percent, plus 80 percent because of the conflicts, and as IHAHA, not delivering or not focusing on the results of the conflicts, but also prevent, trying to prevent conflicts or to reduce the violence <coughs> in those areas to save, to save more, more lives. It means not everyone, everybody will be happy because of you. And if even the natural disasters, we are trying to reduce the effects of the natural disaster, how we can be silent for the human-made disasters. And because of our 
reactions against the woman-made disasters, no doubt some authorities, some countries are not quite happy with us, but just underline not uh, people because of their ethnicities or religions or their ideologies, just the authorities who oppress their people, they are not uh, quite happy, but we don't uh, actually care even. Uh, by the way, I want to give the one, uh, the saying of the prophet. When he said, uh, Help your brother, either he's uh, oppressor or oppressed. When he said so, the companions of him, peace be upon him, he said, they said, we understand it is our duty to help the oppressed people, but how can we help oppressor? He said, just to prevent him of what he is doing, or the oppression, his oppression, it is help to him as well. When we sat with the Syrian regime, we discussed the humanitarian relief to deliver all people under their control, but at the same time we discussed how to bring ceasefire and the peace in uh, Syria. Uh, we have to deal, this is the humanitarian diplomacy, after all the parties cut their relations, you go and take role, uh, but standing always with the rights and the humanity, it is our uh, principle. Uh, I want to ask one question. Have you never traveled to Sitwe uh, and the region? Yeah, I haven't. Uh, two times I have traveled. Once don't use and it takes a long time illegally from Bangladesh I walked to mm-hmm. Myanmar and I saw the that conditions in which condition the peoples are living and in which conditions the peoples are leaving the country mm-hmm. could you imagine a mother give the baby to someone else bring her to Bangladesh side how you can't imagine how much pressure is there how and why at least he's sacrificing herself to give the long life for the baby. I saw myself. And also I have been in Sitwe. I saw myself have many burned villages. But what is the policy of IHH? Maybe it can be wrong uh, pictures. I don't know. We can check it. But there is a reality. And what is our positions? It doesn't mean that we will talk about the history and the distortions and the continuously talk about that. It is not a solution. Mm-hmm. What IHH have done, we sit with the Myanmar government. I sit uh, with the president of the Myanmar. I talk to him and I explain him. And the only organization from the Islamic world have permitted to work legally inside the Sitwe. We have an office in Sitwe, and we are working there. We are not talking about uh, history. We are talking about how can we save more peoples on the regions. Therefore, it's very important. Don't stuck on the history. You need to continuously. There can be some problems. Even now, there are problems. Even it is not a part of the solution. No need to talk... But you need to put the problem on the table first, then you need to continue. I accept the fact that uh, any, any human being deserves a human right, without, like, regardless of their understandings and their religion. But uh, uh, I mean, like, this, guy, this photo can really harm the image of our country. Like, and then it can also harm the, the 
the other like uh, tourism or one people are mistaken and pe other people can mistake and like our country is masculine the, uh, the human rights violations and these things. In, in that case, it can harm the relations between like, yes. for example, like Islam, Muslim outside the country might see like people in our country are killing or other Muslims. And as I, myself as a citizen in Myanmar, I, want, I can say that not the Saudi religions, every, every people in our country are suffering from the, the, the military rules. Military mm -hmm. So in, in Rakhai, there are also the, the community are suffering and also Rakhai community are also suffering. And people, there are also a lot of ethnicity in our, the other, the other mm -hmm. part of the countries. They are also <coughs> suffering. So I just don't want people to think like, <laughs> Just, like. just very recently, mm -hmm. we have organized a workshop. Some uh, Myanmar people's mm -hmm. ex-generals in Manila to explain how we have reached the peace level in the Bangsamoro. Now they are coming and listening from us mm -hmm. to how can we solve our problems and how can be more can be sample for their cases. Therefore, uh, we need to look for forwards, not the history. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, let's get a few more questions. One here, and uh, anyone else? Hands up. One here at the front, and then here. <coughs> yes. Hey, uh, just now you mentioned something about you don't concentrate on the history and want to look for a way forward. How can you surely understand the history? How can you surely understand the problem fully when you don't concentrate on history? I don't. I, uh, uh, I didn't we'll take, mean. We'll take a second oh. question. Then. So the second question was yes, yeah. Yeah, uh, I was wondering how you ensure that women are part of the peace negotiations and what kind of challenges you met in, in that instance and if you have some kind of idea how uh, the statistics, how many women are usually part of the processes that you're engaged in. Because I just saw from some pictures it was like ten, 10 men in the panel and I was just curious. <laughs> it's just three men here, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, third question, please, yes. I'm interested that how do you, maybe a very sensitive question, but the recent discussions between Turkey and uh, the so-called state of Israel, how, how do you see these uh, discussions? Uh, how do you see those negotiations going? Um, and do you have a comment on that? Because obviously Ihaha has been intimately involved in trying to break the siege of Gaza, etc. So maybe just a comment on that. So in the first question, um, the problem, so the, the gentleman talking about the problem of history. Yes. Uh, I didn't mean that to forget the history. The history is very important. You need to know what happened, but don't stack on the history. Of course, you need to know uh, what we have done in the Philippines. We make a, another independent committee. They go to field and they listen to peoples. They have listened from the first mount what was happened. But it is, doesn't mean that to blame someone. Yeah. It was gone. You need to know why that problem happens. And only the way for the solution is to know the source of the problem and it's a history. You can neglect it. You cannot do it. But if you are the peoples, if you are the uh, NGO or the, any community, especially diaspora peoples are doing that uh, policies in a very wrong way. If you only talk about the history, if you talk about uh, what has happened for their fathers and grandfathers, you cannot reach the peace on the ground. 
you need to know it, what was happened, and also you need to put new policies to reach the peace on the ground. It is important. Therefore, don't forget the history. Don't forget the what, even, what happens and who done this to prevent the future problems. And the second question on the uh, women part of the peace, peace process, the peace negotiations. Uh, actually, our organization maybe need to have uh, women staff. It is uh, not usual, uh, actually, in uh, many organizations in Eastern countries. And they are very uh, active, and they uh, also, uh, some of them, they take a role for, uh, in our uh, peace processes. And uh, some in the field and some uh, in offices. Uh, but, but for the uh, women victims, uh, so feeding and protecting the women victims in the field, we pay more attention and uh, more efforts uh, when you compare to the uh, uh, men. And uh, I will give you an example. When we started the negotiations between both sides, Iranian hostages and uh, Syrian uh, prisoners, uh, although we, we were the mediator just between two parties, uh, but we said, uh, as a mediator, we want to request you, we have right to request you to not leave any woman in Syrian prisons. And it was actually uh, one of the big discussions. They promised us to free all women, but in the end they said uh, we have just 76 in our prisons. It was not correct. We received the list from the field, uh, more than 400 uh, with their names, but we couldn't feel because they actually lied. Uh, so uh, for uh, freeing child, children and the women, they have the priority, no doubt, and for taking role for the peace processes, uh, we get benefit from our uh, uh, women uh, staff. Uh, the other question... So the IHH role in the Palestine and the... Um, let, let me add some things for that one. Uh, most vulnerable part of the community is the women in the conflict areas. At the end, when you listen to people, especially from the uh, Philippine case, the women, you cannot stand when you are listening what they have faced. The man is the man. He takes the weapon in his hands and gun to jungle, fight. They are on the same uh, position with the other army. But the woman needs to be head of the family. She needs to take care about uh, her children. And the average number of the child in the uh, Philippines is the six. Minimum is uh, not average, the minimum is the six. There is no income. There is no relatives. Your father has been killed and your brothers have been killed or immigrated. You are alone. You need to find something to survive your family. And the husband is coming maybe in every six months, seven months, you don't. Uh, you need to understand this. What we have done on the Philippines, and you need to listen. And the women need to share what they have faced on the back with the women. It is really very difficult. Only the women can talk to women. Therefore, we make an independent, another committee. 
there was a three peoples, two of them is the woman, they have listened to many cases and they have recorded what was happened, especially on the woman case. In our team, there was a one woman, also she's very, very important for us. At the end, all we need to accept it as a uh, men's, the half of the community is the woman. But is half of the committee creating the peace men or are they uh, the women? If you divide it, on the gender divided for the peace, you cannot reach the solution. The men's need to be there and the women's need to be part of this. Uh, of course, sometimes you cannot make this equivalent, but what we saw uh, sometimes, even the most of the times, one woman is enough more than ten men's. And if there's a one woman is... Uh, you are taking very good results. This one, the, the last uh, piece. I, I just... Uh, <laughs> I, 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 do you see that as a problem, having one woman representing all women and then many men representing... Uh, like no, no, no. One, one voice of a woman in, in uh, the process where you have... Uh, there was a part, one is the uh, woman only, yeah. uh, the others are not. So uh, then it's 20% then. <laughs> Uh, that 20% is, is really good, not enough, uh, I'm not saying that one, and I don't believe the men cannot defend the right of the woman. Also, many times it is happening. Uh, it is not a big problem for us, especially for these cases. For uh, the, last the question, I think, are you referring to the Tzeles of Gaza in particular, or just general uh, negotiations? Negotiation? Right. Uh, it will take long, probably, but may I say some things? This is a very sensitive issue. And what we have done on the presentation is that said there is a, some organization have responsibility for the solution. And for the Gaza, United Nations take the many resolutions to make a humanitarian relief for the Gaza. EU made the, the same decisions personally. Before the flotilla, I have visited the United Nations, I have visited the European Union, all the officials, while we are talking to them, all of them must agree with us. Yes, there is a problem in Gaza, but as a organizations in the Freedom Flotilla, we didn't accept this but. We have responsibility to solve the problem of the peoples while all authorities are closing their eyes and ears. What we say is for the flotilla, we are the humanitarian people. We have only one purpose. We want to reach to Gaza. We want to help the peoples openly. 24 hours live broadcasting was done in flotilla, in Mavi Marmara. I was on the boat. I was the coordinator of the that actions and everybody was know that there was nothing against the, any state on the regions and we are not breaking the any rights of the peoples and it was the international right of the organizations <coughs> and these incidents happens and we lose 10 peoples on the boat 56 peoples have been injured heavily injured and ICC say that Hapani is following the case, openly say that it is a big crime against the humanity. It's a war crime. And the cases are going on. 
agree or not, but I face this difficulty. I lose my friends. I lose my very close friends on the boat. And only one thing is the red line of the IHH. We need to take the solution on the court. And it is not my duty and it is not my responsibility to make the negotiation with Israel or Turkey. It is their job. And we are not the government. We are the NGO. We've done our job. And now we are looking for the justice. This is the only uh, conditions. And we don't believe anybody, any government, don't have a right to make a pressure on the justice. Only one thing. Let them, the courts, take the decisions in this way or on that way. And all we believe, all we trust, these courts in US, in UK, or in Turkey need to be independent, need to reach the decisions according to whatever is given to them. And uh, briefly, the only one thing is we are looking to respect from the all parties whatever happened in Flotella to respect for the courts and let them take their decisions. Thank you. On that note, dear 730, we'll leave it here. Uh, I want to thank you all for, for attending this Friday evening. I believe the guests will be here for a little bit longer. If you do have some questions you want to follow up, they will be here. Um, please, 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 a warm round of applause to, to both of you. Foundation and the Center for International Studies and Diplomacy for actually working together and putting this first public event. Hopefully you'll see more in the near future. And also, ladies and gentlemen, just for, for just to give, um, uh, let you know, these two gentlemen do not work behind desks. They're out in the office the next day. So they've come out of their very busy schedule and shared their stories with us. So to show our appreciation, another round of applause to them. was a podcast by CISD SOAS, the Center of International Studies and Diplomacy. Thank you for listening.